This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by User Interviews, which connects researchers with quality participants who can earn money for their feedback on real products. You can go over to userinterviews.com. It's free to sign up. You can apply for your first study in under five minutes, and you can earn real money for helping software developers and engineers create better products. Most of the interviews are your sort of common type of study, but there's also surveys, there's also diary studies, and there's also online focus groups. So you have an opportunity to share your opinions with top brands like Adobe, Intuit, Spotify, Amazon, and many more if you just go over to userinterviews.com. So if you are ready to earn extra income from sharing your expert opinion, again, really designed for developers and engineers to provide feedback on their products, head on over to userinterviews.com slash hello to sign up and participate today. Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I hope you are well. I hope the weather is turning nice into spring. But you are listening to a podcast. You're probably out walking in the sun, walking your dog, taking a run, taking a jog. I don't know, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you have tuned in to this week's episode of the show, where we're going to learn more about data in Tableau. I'm really excited to have on the show Kirk Monroe, Join me for the conversation. Kirk is the author of the new book, Data Modeling with Tableau. Kirk is also one of the chiefs at Paint with Data. And here's the thing. I was on Twitter sort of complaining about, and I'm going to admit, I was complaining, complaining about how a lot of Tableau blog posts ignore the part about the format of your data, the structure of your data. And a lot of that is because most of those tutorials use the basic built-in data sets within Tableau. Fine, that's great. But in many cases, my data aren't as clean or they're not in the same format, the same structure. So Kirk reached out. He's got this great blog post on the Kevin and Ken Fleurledge twins blog on their website, which I will also share in the show notes. But he's also got this new great book, Data Modeling with Tableau, where I am almost certainly going to offer the first two chapters at least, um, if not the full book, but at least the first two chapters to my students, ways to think about how to use data in Tableau. I just think this is super important. You can't get to the visualization part without knowing anything about the data part and particularly about the data structure part. So I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode of the podcast. Here's my conversation with Kirk. Hey, Kirk, good morning for both of us, even though we're like an hour apart, right? An hour apart. Yeah, good morning, John. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Flattered to be here. <laughs> I was saying earlier, now that I understand that Halifax time is an hour ahead, when it's four o'clock Eastern, I can say, well, it's cocktail hour in Halifax. So time right. five o'clock somewhere at four. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But now I know exactly where it's five o'clock at four. So I feel, yeah, I feel exactly better. Fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited to chat with you because let me give listeners just a, a little quick background. So I was having not a struggle. I was wrestling a little bit with data formats in Tableau. And the one thing I had noticed in a lot of blog posts of Tableau tutorials was that people didn't talk about the structure of the data. They're always using the superstore data and it's in this particular format. And you had responded with this fantastic blog post that you had written for Kevin and Ken Fleurledge. And that was really great. And then on top of that, you have this great new book, 
data modeling with Tableau, which the first two or three chapters go into even more detail on that. So I reached out, super happy to have you on the show. But I want to start with a little bit of background. You have a firm paint with data, but you also have a impressive background before that. So I was hoping you could just talk a little bit about that and then we can dive into some Tableau stuff. Um, yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, thanks. Happy yeah. to be here. Um, so yeah, my my background in BI, at least, without you know going to the whole history, started in uh, <laughs> in 2001. I went to Cognos as a product manager, and I kind of went up the product management ranks there for about five years. The reason I liked being a product manager at that time was BI Analytics was still a little bit nascent. So I felt like being on the product side, I have a bit of a technical background, was the place to be. Then once we got bought by IBM, I went into sales enablement because I thought the natural next step of that um, was to was to help you know sellers, customer facing people actually understand what analytics was. Like it's right. not just reports that you could burst it to people that have static yeah. information, right? Like what actual analytics meant and answering right. business questions. Um, and then I went to a supply chain analytics company called Conaxis and ran product and marketing there. We, we did super deep analytics, like but very niche. So we could do cool things like if you had a bill of materials for say like. A, I don't know, uh, uh, two different laptop models. Mm-hmm. And you could ask a question of it and say, well, what if we took this part from this one and gave it to this one? And you could wow. see how many customer orders would be late within like seconds. Oh, wow. Which like would normally take overnight to run yeah. in a MRP system or something. Right? Yeah. Um, and then anyway, I did a startup again. Then I went to Tableau actually for four years to do customer success. Because oh, okay. I was drawn to that. Um because I thought, you know, this the stage we've gotten to is that people didn't understand. They understood analytics at a high level, but they didn't know how to make it happen. Yeah. Um, I did that for four years. And then on the paint with data thing, um, my wife, actually, who's a, a Tableau ambassador, mm-hmm. user group ambassador, um, started a company called Paint with Data to be a consultancy. And, of course, we used, you know, take data and actually paint with it um so um and so we're a consultancy that work with companies of all kinds of different sizes i joined 18 months ago Mm -hmm. was the intersection of two things really one was we had always said we wanted to work together and then we kind of went oh just we're running out of time if we're going to do this and uh and uh and part of it was just the customer success role was good at Tableau. It started to get a little bit frustrating that I couldn't get hands on. Like the things that really made customer successful, mm-hmm. like it, it, the job became a little bit too much relationship as yeah. opposed to the things like that actually tool. make people right. uh, like is their data structure, right? Yeah, right. As an example, right? right? right. So, and, and the role got really far removed from that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like if they didn't. Um, cared that new hires were trained in Tableau really, or certainly at that kind of level, yeah. right? Like it was, I would go get every Tableau certification you could get. You know I mean, I thought it was really important. Yeah. To, if you're going to be a trusted advisor, you got to know, know more the than tool. people you're advising right. conceptually. Right, right. right. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you joined 18 months ago. So were you working on the book? Now, so the book was kind of a funny thing because – um, I joined and then I was in for maybe six months and then the publisher called me mm-hmm. and went, we want someone to write a book on data modeling when you write this book in yeah. uh, Tableau. And the first thing I thought was, well, who am I to write a book? And of course you get into, there's so many smarter people than me <laughs> that could do this, which is just a natural thing to do, I think. Yeah. And I thought, and I think in my head, I went, there's so many viz books and they're out all the time. There must be a lot of data modeling books. So I asked for 24 hours mm-hmm. and I did a search. And there are none. So no. to be fair, 
uh, Carl Alton is awesome. Like mm -hmm. um, Carl's got a book on Tableau Prep, but like not on data modeling, you know, the kind of the stack for Tableau. So I went, well, then you quickly, this has happened to me a lot of my life. I go from why me to why not me. Right, right. <laughs> and then started writing the book in about April, I guess. Okay. And so it took about six months from April to October okay. to write the book. And then um, I thought it would be you know, a 200 page book mm -hmm. and trying to be as concise as I could possibly be. I got it down to like, it turned out to be 325 pages <laughs> yeah. in the end. Like there's there. yeah. kind of more there than I thought. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been there. So, okay. So let's talk about data. I preface this whole conversation with this difference kind of between wide data and tall data, but maybe I'll ask the question in sort of a more general way. Like from your perspective, what is the biggest challenge in particular, I guess, new Tableau users face when it comes to the, the data modeling and the data structure in Tableau? Um, yeah, to do one step back from that, yeah. which uh, I get to it in a little bit in the book, and I think we'll probably have more blog posts on this, is what makes Tableau so special that no one sees actually is VizQL, which Tableau used to talk about. So mm -hmm. until Tableau came along, you would have to you know, query your data and then you'd have to format your data a little bit and then you would visualize your data. Yeah. So, and most other BI tools, I think ThoughtSpot are doing a pretty good job of the same kind of approach as Tableau now. But traditionally what it is, is, you know, you open up a product and the first thing it'll ask you is, how do you want to chart this data? And my frustration until I saw Tableau, and, you know, I was working at Cogno, so we were one of the frustrations at the time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know how I want to visualize it yet. I'm just trying to interact with my data. Yeah, right. right? So, so Tableau solved that problem. Um, and what it is is, so basically, when they write their SQL underneath the scenes, they have this clause appended on the end that basically goes display as, which is why people fight Tableau sometimes and find it unintuitive at the very start. Mm -hmm. But if you get in Tableau talks about, used to talk about at least the analytics flow, you just start clicking around and asking and answer questions yeah. and dragging things to marks cards. And the visit keeps changing right. without you explicitly going, drop this on columns or I want color on. It just, it's smart enough to mostly know. Like right. I never drag anything to... I rarely drag anything to a column or row shelf, as an example. I'm yep. a big double clicker, okay. right? Yeah. Um, and I let Tableau figure that out, yeah, right? Yeah, then yeah. I might swap rows and columns, but I rarely drag. You're rarely dragging, okay. Um, that background's important, I think, because Tableau always assumes, and this is where the data modeling comes in, is that your data structure underneath has a series of columns that it's going to convert to fields. Mm -hmm. And every one of those columns is going to be distinct. So not discrete, which we get to, but <laughs> distinct in that yeah. if it says customer, the only thing in that field is going to be customer. Yeah. And if it says revenue, the only thing that's going to be in there is revenue, sales, et cetera. Right. And, and, and that's why a lot of people pick up Superstore. It's already formatted that way, and they have a lot of fun, and they bring in their own data. They choke, and they don't know what's right. going on. But it, right. And the reason Tableau does that is it makes this VizQL thing easy mm -hmm. to do. It makes it easy to know how to visualize it because they know how the data is structured. Right. Right. I guess they, they assume how the data is structured. They assume. How, so right, that's right. why. Yeah. Right. So that's why you can run into problems. Yeah. And, without needing to be super technical, the way CPUs work, like I've always worked, is that is they work well when you pass them an array of data, and then you can filter, slice, whatever that, and they're really good at aggregating it. So analysis at the end of the day is about some level of aggregation of data. Visual analytics, which Tableau does, is that visually. So basically, it's really easy if you have a row called revenue, and then you pull on 
region, it's easy for Tableau to go, okay, sum, and then break it down by that region, mm -hmm. right? And then color it by subcategory. That'd be ugly, but it would know color by subcategory. <laughs> it does this stuff very fast if the data is structured that way. Right. If, for instance, your field was conditional and it, it was called name, and the next column was vendor or customer, mm -hmm. and then there was a name, and the next column had vendor, customer, and you had to try to dynamically write a calculation in Tableau to go, if this column equals vendor, right. then this one, Tableau's going to be terrible. Yeah. Like, it just it's just awful, yeah. right? Because um, it assumes that's struck, which I knew as soon as I went to Tableau, I we had to do a demo at a time yeah. to get hired. And I went, I refuse to use Superstore because no data looks like this. Like I, I've been around long enough that I knew that. So I brought in a bunch of Airbnb data or inside Airbnb data, you know, just great data, but yeah. to show, and then I made a whole scenario about, um, you know, if you're working for the city, how happy would you be with this? Or you were a potential host. And I did a whole demo around that. And then I realized, Oh, this like formatting data thing is, Tricky, it's like you got to get this right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's it. So that's fundamentally, it's three hundred and twenty-five pages of how do you get your data like that, right. and because you know there's a lot of nuance so, beneath that. But so I know you're not at Tableau anymore. So this is you know just dreaming. But like, if you had your druthers, would you have Tableau focus there? Presumably, they have an AI and an ML team working on a variety of things, would you have them do something similar to the show me tab, but not for graphs, but for data where it says it looks like your data in this structure, would you want in this structure and you click a couple buttons and you're good to go? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then it may be, you know, on the, um, uh, what's the new feature called that workbook optimizer mm -hmm. yeah. should be more than just, it should be able to go then it's getting there a little bit, yeah. but it, it definitely has to, I think, get better at going. The reason that you have all these calculations and weird parameters and whatever is because your data is not shaped, right? Right. I think it would be not terribly hard for them to pick it up. I know, like Ken Flairlich has a great line, which I love, which is, if you're doing something in Tableau and it seems like it's more difficult than it should be, it's probably because your data shaped wrong. <laughs> like it's just, you can just, like, this is more complicated than it should be, yeah. like nine times out of 10. That's because your data is your data is not right. shaped right. So yeah. what? Um, so for those who are, let's say like me, sort of relatively Tableau newbies, what do you recommend for folks to do when they're in that position where they're struggling and maybe they even realize, oh, my data is wide and it needs to be long or tall? Like, what what tools do you use to do that reshaping when you're working? At it? Um, yeah, well. I mean, first they should buy the book. Well, obviously. I think it's just that um, the first exercise is whether you use a piece of paper or you mentally do it or whatever. Just like if you were going to, I know Chantelli talks about this a lot, is not the only one, who talks about if you're going to create a visualization, you should kind of map it on a piece of paper somewhere first to see. Yeah. You, should, you should think about what would it take before I even get to a tool what would it take to get these fields mm. into these very distinct columns? Right, right. right? Yeah. And then the thought would be sometime, and most of the time, um, what it's all it's going to take is, if it's not, is pivoting rows to columns or pivoting columns to rows. Right. And it's that simple, usually. Yeah. And then you can pivot columns to rows in either desktop or prep. Right. And you can pivot rows to columns in prep. I feel like that's a feature that's been in there now for 
at least a couple of years that almost no, no one knows seen. About. You know, yeah. then the prep community knows right. it's there. It's the slickest little feature, uh, and it just makes the world a difference. Because when you open up a workbook and you see if people have the, those type calculations I was talking about, like if – this field equals profit, then profit. And then they've got a string field to put dollar signs in yeah. front of it. I'm yeah. like, just reshape that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just reshape yeah, it. to a and string, prep, add a dollar sign. Yeah, I, yeah I've, done, I've done all it, that too. Yeah. 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 And in prep, it's literally pivot uh, rows to columns. And it's like, which one do you want to put? And then you drag two things over and it's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like prep, like prep is terribly underrated tool so so let's like so let's talk about prep because you have um i think it's like part two of the book i think there's like four or five chapters that are dedicated to using prep so is that section in there because you feel it is the right tool for tableau users or because there really isn't like in my reading there's just not en enough i would say enough uh materials out there to really help you dive into it yeah. Sometimes I wonder a lot if prep, like a lot of features come out. So it's probably a few things like Alteryx had this great partnership with Tableau. Right. So a lot of people probably knew that. Right. And if you're already licensed for that, then you could substitute everything in prep. Right. That's fine. Do you know what I mean? But I yeah. think for people that don't have it, especially, I think a couple of things happened. First off, when prep came out, it didn't do a lot. Mm -hmm. It was okay, but it didn't do a lot. It was still kind of a, a cool product back in 2018 now. Um, but And I think a lot of people might have evaluated it then and ridden it off a little bit right. and not kept up with all the innovation that's in it. Right. Um, it but certainly, it's a really valuable tool um, for people who already know Tableau well. Because why? First off, it's... It comes with a creator license. I mean, there's the annoying thing to schedule yeah. that you need data management, but um, but it comes with it. It's it's the same calculation language. It's the same UI in as far as you could have the same UI and UX. Like they're different UXs because they're different processes. So, I mean, from a cost of ownership, it's just so low mm -hmm. to use prep. Like I wish more people use. I'll tell you, we talked about this before we started a little bit. Like, so I've been in data for 22 years and I probably haven't, other than a very simple line of SQL, probably haven't written the line in 18 or something. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and even though people insist on asking for these SQL skills, I'll give you an idea of, of, of how much I avoid it. Lately, I've been using Snowflake. I'll write, so technically I'm writing a SQL statement to create my Snowflake table, but it's, it's not really a SQL statement. So I create my table. And then what I do is relationships are also a very powerful thing in Tableau, but they only work against live connections. Mm -hmm. So you can't use prep per se, but, but prep I know so well now, and it's so familiar that I usually create my snowflake tables and I prep the data and load it into snowflake with prep. Like oh. I don't even always use a published data source. Yeah. Like I'll go into prep and then do what I need to do to it. And I'll move it to a snowflake table. Cause let's say I've got two tables at different levels of aggregation. Right. And I don't want to explode those. I'll put them into two snowflake tables and then I'll get Tableau to create a relationship. Oh, wow. So I don't even always use it. Use it. Yeah. Uh, a published data source. So sometimes I'm using something like snowflake to actually as the output. So you don't even have to think about it's always, but um, the last thing on it is I don't know why Tableau has been so hesitant to call it an ETL tool because it's what it's always been. Mm -hmm. Like you extract data, you transform it, and yep. you load it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I think they were afraid to do it because they're like, well, we don't want to compete against all these like the, the, like ETL-specific yeah. like You don't have to say that's what you are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I would 
if I was going to some data engineering team that never did visual analytics, I would not recommend Tableau Prep just because there's probably more powerful tools. Right. But for someone who's used to Tableau anyway, like why not? Yeah. Like the cost of ownership. It, so it is an interesting thought about who they target. Like what is their what is their avatar of their core customer base? And I I, I always find that interesting because the folks that I work with tend to be you know it's a nonprofit of you know six eight twelve people, and there's like one person or two people who have demonstrated this interest in creating visualizations, mm-hmm. but they're not in necessarily maybe, you know, data people. They haven't they don't have coding experience. Maybe they never used a tool like this before. And I think they often get, as you've mentioned, they get frustrated by these little but crucial right. things. Um, and maybe, you know, being able to help those folks would unleash it. I don't really know, but. Yeah. You know, you know what? That's a great point. You know, for consulting with a small company, say, I would say it's worth, learning data at the level of Tableau prep mm-hmm. first, yeah. especially for the non-traditional technical people don't come from a programming background because yeah. not only is your biz going to be easier and faster, they're actually not going to have to write nearly as many calculations yes. and struggle with that kind of stuff right. in Tableau. Right. Right. Cause otherwise they're going to get frustrated because they're like, I'm not a coder and I have to write all this. And I'm like, That's you right. wouldn't if the data were structured the right. right way. And, and this idea of, like every column being distinct is not that hard of a concept to get. No. I don't know why people don't go back to make it yeah. that way. It's just, I, I just neatly needed yeah. in, in a column. It just, you need pretty good SQL skills before this pivot rose to column. I think that's the secret feature. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it, it's so fast and it's a little bit hard to do in SQL. Like it would be daunting to try to right. split that up. And, and it's counterintuitive because it makes your data longer and, and people think, oh, long data is slow. Right. I'm like, long data is not slow no, at right, all. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. I mean, there is, um, you know, I grew up in the SaaS data world, and there is, like, I burned into my brain, there's a little image in the Stata help file about the reshape command, which goes from, they, they use long and wide is, is what they, the language they use. But there's this like, yeah. there's this image. It's like, here's a wide and then it's like a little arrow. And then here's the, you know, here's the long. And, you know, if you want to go left to right, this is the, you know, this is the syntax. You yeah. want to right to left, this is the syntax. And I agree. It's not a complicated concept to get, but it's so crucial to everything that right. you're going to do down the road. Okay. So almost without intentionally doing it, we've talked about the first two parts of the, of the book. So I think it makes sense. We should, we should get to, so we get to the last part. So the first part is really about the types of data models, setting up your data. The second part is about prep. And then the third part is about connecting and building relationships, which I have found also to be a frustrating, (laughs) especially the relationship part. So frustrating piece. So um, I'll just make it a super general question, which is as we walk through now through the book and sort of the the process by which someone would work in Tableau, what is this third part about when it comes to connecting and, and building relationships in the data? Yeah. So the next thing becomes almost, I wish there was a term for this, like it's treating tables instead of tables as distinct analytic units that sometimes need to be combined to perform a different level of analysis. So, um, I also like you referenced the blog post that mm-hmm. that I had on the on, on Ken and Kevin's site on the Floridas com. We have two more coming: one on when to use prep and when to use desktop. Oh, okay, and then another one on when to use relationships versus joins, mm-hmm. and just a little bit on blends because the blends answer is almost never. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> there's just one use, case, okay. just one very specific <laughs> use case. So let me imagine this. This will probably be in the blog post, but imagine 
this Airbnb data. I think we can do it, mm-hmm. right? So you've got, you've got, let's say we have um, five tables, mm-hmm. right? And the five tables are one table contains a list of all the properties, mm-hmm. say in a city or whatever. It could be all of them, but sure. you know, with a, with a city column yeah. to split it up. But like, let's say even for a city. And then we've got reviews, mm-hmm. right? And so reviews are at a different level of granularity than the properties because you know one property can have many reviews yeah. but a review can only be for one property right, right? so so you don't in, until relationships came out that's a perfect example of tables you don't want to join mm-hmm. um and the reason you don't want to join them is you're going to explode it and then you're gonna to have to watch your level of aggregation because you're gonna have many rows now yeah. for individual properties because it had many reviews right Right. So what's just magical about relationships is you create a relationship on those on uh, property ID, listing ID. And now what happens, and I mean by individual units of analysis, is I can ask questions about reviews without asking about properties. And I can ask about properties without asking reviews. So if I ask a question on the other side of that tableau, it's only going to generate the SQL behind the scenes Mm -hmm. against that one table. Like no join. I won't even look to join it. But then what's really smart about relationships, if let's say I want reviews on a given property, Tableau smart enough to do like, you know, that it would probably be a right join the way I'm describing it doesn't matter, but it would, yeah. it would create that join dynamically to answer your question and handle the level of aggregation so you don't get it. Because I think, especially for non-technical users, like understanding levels of aggregation is like really hard yeah. to wrap your head around. Yeah. And then Tableau takes your mind away from that. So. Right. So imagine those two tables. Mm-hmm. Next thing you want to do is I want to bring in neighborhood information, right? So I want to bring in a shape file of neighborhood so I can map it. Mm-hmm. And then I want to bring in the walk score and bike score or whatever. I can go get that off the internet. Right. And maybe I want to go get apartment information on how expensive apartments are by neighborhood. So I could answer the question, does it look like Airbnb are driving up the price of apartments or it's a tricky question, yeah. right? The best part of analysis. Or am I helping people afford it because they can use Airbnb right. to help them offset? So, um, but those three, those could be three separate tables, three. Yeah, yeah. one with the shape file, one with the walk scores, and one with the cost of. So the temptation would be, oh, I should, and you could do this, but it would be a little bit complicated. You could bring all those in as relationships because that would be the default. Yep. But if you think about it, those three tables, are all about neighborhood information. Mm-hmm. And they're all at the same level of granularity, which is one row per neighborhood. Right. So what I would do is, and this is why relationships and joins go together really well, I would join those three tables together, and then I would create a relationship on those three tables joined together, because Tableau would then effectively treat those three join tables as one table, because yeah. it really should be one, without me having to do a whole data engineering job to put those in one. Yeah in the background so and then i can ask questions just about neighborhoods or again like an ask neighborhood how many reviews per neighborhood how many listings per neighborhood or whatever right. but it's just an example of if you think about it in terms of is it a unit of analysis on its own once neighborhoods once reviews once mm-hmm. listing as opposed to tables and what their level of granularity is that also takes the complications out of that a little bit it's also interesting from the perspective back to this you know single person in some small organization back to they need to pull all these data together. Maybe not mm-hmm. even for a visualization purpose. They just need to have these data together for whatever it is. And they could use Tableau to do that because it's so efficient at doing these different yes. things. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So that, and I still think in 
even in big org. So in little orgs, you have no data engineering support. Right, right. My experience, at least, maybe people have seen other things. The one place where you're, where I still see waterfall process heavy slow things or data engineering teams mm -hmm. like uh like cloud data warehouses didn't magically solve that problem right. so right. sometimes you'd be like i need my data shaped this way and they'll be like well it's got to go through this you need to get this approval it's going to cost this much in a chargeback and we'll have it to you in three months yeah. it's like well you know what i'll just take the data you've already given me without going all the way back to source and later in the data pipeline i'll clean it up right, right. so i talk a lot about in a completely idealistic world, yeah. you wouldn't want an analyst doing this stuff. Right. But but you have to. Mm -hmm. Like you're never going to get answers out to the organization if you wait for the data engineering org to do yeah. it or whatever. That would throw us back into the eight. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> um the last part of the book, which admittedly I haven't read because it isn't as useful for my use case. Yeah. So, you know, this is, you know, yeah. you know, everybody's got limitations. But the last part is yeah. on Tableau Server and Tableau Online. So what are the differences in that section versus, say, working in desktop? Yeah, so that the last sections cover, um, and I wish I, there was a word for Tableau Server Online together because they're synonymous yeah. in this. So I keep going Tableau Server or Cloud, yeah. and it's like the, the exact same right. for all intents and purposes. Um, it, there's basically that you could think of in three different ways. The book's not exactly organized this way. One is all about data security and data security at two levels. So one is who can see the data model, mm -hmm. right? And the next level is who can see data within that data model. Because so imagine the first one, you just want only the finance team to see it. How do you make sure that only the finance team can see it? The next example of who can see it is like, imagine you you were giving this out to your customers and uh, you had thousands of them. You wouldn't want to build thousands of workbooks. You would want to say only the customer logging can only see their own data and produce one workbook. So mm -hmm. that row level security. So part of it's about that. So part of it's about how do you secure these data models and how do you secure the data within them? Um, part of it's on distribution. So when to use published data sources versus embedded data sources. Another thing, lots of people have been using Tableau, including Tableau Server or Online Cloud for like a long time and don't know the difference between an online versus oh, yeah. an embedded data source yeah. and when to use one versus the other. Yeah. Um, and it's important to get that right from a cost ownership thing because you could be rebuilding the same data model over and over yeah. again on one side. Or the flip side is you could be publishing a data model that was really only intended for one workbook and people are trying to build workbooks on it and you don't want them to because it was very specific for the workbook. Right. So they both have their place. Um, and Tableau doesn't make it very explicit. Although at least now on Tableau Cloud, Tableau Server, you can say, you know, new published data source. Mm -hmm. So they at least have taken it at a desktop enough yeah. that it feels like a distinct thing. Yeah. Um, and then the last part is around all the other things that come with Tableau data management. So how to schedule prep flows, oh. how to have data quality warnings, the Tableau data catalog at lineage to see who's, who else is using this. So there's only one of 15 chapters on data management, yeah. but one of them covers all the things. Right, the right. So before we wrap up, I want to... Um... Come back to one of the things we were talking about before we before we actually started recording, which is the size of data. Because you you mentioned a couple yeah. times when we were chatting, but um, you had mentioned a very interesting piece of extracting data in Tableau that I don't think I even really recognize. Because when I do the extract, I just do extract and good and publish, and I'm good to right. go. But I wanted to finish up with that data extract tip because I think this is something that probably most people don't know. Um, about the sort of way that you can modify or option uh, in that extract menu. 
Yeah, and the background for this, I think I heard recently, I hope this is a true stat, but uh, <laughs> that the average Salesforce deployment, as an example, has 100 custom fields in it. I'm sure some people go, we a thousand, I don't know. But <laughs> right. uh, but what, what happens is, anyway, that, that's the kind of thing that leads to really wide data, even if all the fields are discrete. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the data still gets incredibly wide with all these ways you could slice and dice the data. Yeah. So, And that wide data definitely makes Tableau slow, especially if they're string fields, because they're usually string yeah. and descriptive type yeah, fields. Right. And, and so when you know, we're working with clients, you have to get, well, the business might want to analyze by all those different things, right? right. Like anyone could possibly Maybe. filter and color by all yeah. those things. Yeah, yeah so um, <laughs> let's say, whether you're using a published or embedded data source, but say you're just using uh, Tableau Desktop to make it easy. And then what I say to people all the time then is, if you don't know which of those columns you're going to do, like leave them in your data model. This is if you're using an extract. Leave them in your data model. Um, build all your visits, and it's your very last step before you run your extract. Just take the little down arrow you make calculations and everything else on and go hide all unused fields. Mm-hmm. And it will hide all the fields you're not using. And then what most people don't know is when you run your extract, it doesn't bring all that data into your extract. Right. So it's going to perform way better and no one's using it any. And then people come back and go, well, what if I want to use those in the future? Well, what's slick is Tableau will bring in almost like a ghost field where you can say show hidden fields, yeah. you just go to the field you want, you add it. Of course, you can't add it to the visit at that point because the data is not there, but you run the extract again, and then you can then add you can it. Do it. So this is the surefire way yeah. to make sure that you're not bringing in data from a width perspective that you're not using. Right. So it's a, again, I don't think Tableau talks about it much. It's just a terribly yeah. hidden feature. No, it's just like... Pun intended. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just like this thing that kind of yeah. showed up that like, oh, you have to do this, and that's yeah. what you have to do. It, it's super slow. Yeah. Well, Kirk, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, the book is really great. The lessons are fantastic and something I think more people need to learn and read about. So, uh, yeah. So thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, John. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed the time. Yeah. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I hope you will go check out the blog post we mentioned, we talked about, and also, of course, Kirk's new book, Data Modeling with Tableau, and of course, his website, Paint with Data. A lot of good content there, a lot of great ways to think about all the things that you need to be better. I would say, obviously, in Tableau, but also just a better person to work with data, just a better data visualizer, a better data scientist, a better statistician. Anyone who works with data really needs to understand this content and these lessons even better. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you will consider sharing today's episode with your friends and your family. Put it on your social media networks. Share a review or a rating on your favorite podcast provider. And until next week, this has been the Policy of His podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A whole team helps bring you the Policy of His podcast. Intro and outro music is provided by the NRIs, a band based here in Northern Virginia. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsky Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy of This podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. But if you would like to help support the show financially, please visit our Winnow app, PayPal page, or Patreon page, all linked and available at policyviz.com.